Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 16. This week we're talking about 1988's Bull Durham. With Joe. And he's wearing garbage. And he's uh, breathing out of his eyelids like a lava lizard. Old uh, mind deal. Aztec. Aztec. And Steve. That's crazy. Yep. I wouldn't dig in there if I was you. Next one might be at your head. I don't know where it's going to go. I swear to God. Welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me for the first time in studio from Cape Coral, Florida, is the Ebby Calvin Nuke Lelouch to my Lawrence Crash Davis, the great and powerful Steve. How was your trip? Oh, dude. I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. That uh, 12 hours, actually... 14 hours 14 because with stoppage if, of course times. but uh dude it's it's all worth it right now right now this it's is all, it right here it's all worth it right now <laughs> i'm so happy to be in studio it's a great place here and it's 10 15 you got yourself a coors light in front of you so it, we will be drinking the beer of baseball during our <laughs> baseball movie because uh, this week, Steve has nominated 1988's bull durham for the sports pantheon if you have never heard of this film I don't blame you. There's a baseball movie made every damn year, but this is one of the best. It, yes. I, <laughs> I don't. Yes. That's our that's well, our color we'll comment. That that's our color man right there. Uh, <laughs> on this show, we'll be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our movie planet preserve. The sports pantheon consists of seven and only seven films, and currently, there are, the films in this preserve are just number one with Hoosiers with an A. Have you seen Hoosiers? Yes, it's been a long time since I've seen Hoosiers. Again, that was like another one that my dad like really loved and says, son, you need to see this. Yes. As a coach, you... Uh, especially basketball, yes. I yes. would. I, I should revisit that one for sure. And number two is Moneyball with an A-. minus. Uh, just one spot, like one, like one third of a grade down from that. It's... It, it was really good. Actually, my father-in-law was watching that like on HBO Max or it's one of those channels the other day and I just had to like stop and watch it because it was... I think it was the epic, the meltdown game where they yes. lose mega time. I was like, yeah, this is great. I loved it. Well, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out of the Pantheon in the future. So we will discuss it, analyze it, grade it, and see if it lands among the greats. But this week, we're focused on 1988's Bull Durham, a movie made for an estimated $7.5 million that brought in for $58 million. In 88. Adjusted for inflation, that's $130 million today. That's really good for sports. That's pretty damn good. <laughs> uh, written and directed by former minor leaguer Ron Shelton. And music by Michael Convertino, but I can't, I don't know what he was. It was all like, you know, rock and roll songs. Yeah, he's not the, um, uh, I first I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be Chiaquino or something like that. Mm -mm. <laughs> Michael Chiaquino. But, you know, I see minor leaguer, Ron, any relation to the Blake Shelton? No, no, no relation as far as I know. Or what was the, uh, who was the Tiger player, Shelton, the redhead? Danny Shelton? No, that's a basketball player. Um, I thought it was Blake. That's why I said Blake. I, like, I we're in Nashville, so. Yeah. Uh, Chris Shelton from the Tigers. I have no idea. Oh, come on. I don't know. 
Uh, starring Kevin Costner as Crash Davis, Susan Sarandon as Annie Savoy, Tim Robbins as Ebby, Calvin, Nuke Lelouch, and it should be noted that this is when Robbins and Sarandon met for the first time, and they are still happily married today. Oh, I didn't know they were married. Yes, they are. Uh, Trey Wilson as Skip, Robert Wool as Larry, or as you will refer to him over and over again, Knox. Uh, William O'Leary as Jimmy, Jenny Robertson as Millie, and Max Patkin, the clown prince of baseball, as Max Patkin, the clown prince of baseball. He's single-handedly steals the movie. He sing- single-handedly makes me want to throw this movie out. <laughs> okay, now that we've handled this business, let's get down to business with our segment Inception to Perception, where I dig shallowly into the internet to find out how this movie came to be. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot, and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Okay. According to Shelton, I wrote, he says, quote, I wrote a very early script about minor league baseball. The only thing it had in common with Bull Durham was that it was about a pitcher and a catcher, end quote. That script was titled The Player to be Named Later. A single anecdote from that script made it into Bull Durham. For Bull Durham, Shelton decided to see if a woman could tell the story and, quote, dictated that opening monologue on a little micro recorder while I was driving around North Carolina, end quote. So the whole thing about Sarandon talking about the the glore of baseball is him just rattling off ideas in his car. Oh. Which is it, funny because it's pretty good. It kind of makes sense for how this movie kind of progresses along. <laughs> it's, it's a very, very simple plot. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> you hit the ball. Crash was named after Lawrence Crash Davis, but was modeled after Pike Bishop. The lead character, William Holden, played in The Wild Bunch, a guy who, quote, loves something more than it loved him, end quote. Annie Savoy's name was a combination of the nickname Annie's that baseball players gave their groupies and the name of a bar. She was a high priestess who could lead us into a man's world and shine a light on it. And she would be very sensual and sexual, yet she lived by her own rigorous moral code. It seemed like a character we hadn't seen before. End quote. That is like... <laughs> That's Annie. Her, that, that is exactly what she is. Yep. After Shelton returned to Los Angeles from his road trip, he wrote the script for Bull Durham in about 12 weeks. It's a pretty long duration when you consider how long some scripts that we've done on here have been. Was it Master of the Universe like three days? Yeah, it kind of was. <laughs> I was going to say 12 weeks for to write this plot and to write this. That seems like a very long time. It's but. a long time, but you know, if you're going to get yourself an A, A-minus movie out of it, you put the time in, right? Yeah. It, I, mm. Yeah. <laughs> When Shelton pitched Bull Durham, he had a hard time convincing a studio to give him the opportunity to direct. Baseball movies were not considered a viable commercial prospect at the time. And every studio passed except for Orion Pictures, who gave him a $9 million budget, with many cast members accepting lower-than-usual salaries because of the material. An eight-week shooting schedule, and he got creative freedom. Shelton scouted locations throughout the southern United States before settling on Durham in North Carolina because of its old ballpark and its location, quote, among abandoned tobacco warehouses and on the edge of an abandoned downtown and in the middle of a residential neighborhood where people could walk. It's almost like Green Bay. Yeah, I. that's a perfect location for the, well, I mean, it matches because that's what's in the movie. Okay. Yeah, the, the community is the show. Yes. Uh, Shelton ca- cast Costner because of the actor's natural athleticism. It should be noted, though, that someone else who was up for this role was Kurt Russell. Uh, he's another one of the, he, like, Kurt Russell and Kevin Costner. Yeah. There are two timeless actors. I... I don't know. That would be kind of interesting to see the, uh, oh, I don't want to call it the tryout, but, you know, when the actors, actresses kind of go in and try to, oh, uh, 
It's called an audition. An audition? An audition. <laughs> that, would look, that would be cool to see the audition tape with a Kurt Russell. Okay, well, the funny thing about this is that Kurt Russell was offered the role. Then he went on vacation for like three or four days. And by the time he came back, the role was Costner's. Because Costner was also up for the role. So Costner had said, hey, let me take you to the batting cages and show you why I should be in this. I guess I'm curious on what he had done prior, Costner that is, on what he'd done prior to this to... I, had he done his other baseball movies? He did Tango and Cash, I think. Oh, I've never seen it. <gasps> what? No. Tank, Steve, oh, if you like buddy cop movies, Tango and Cash, Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell working together to take down the bad, the, 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 the cowboy from City Slickers? I, I trust Stallone as a writer and a director, just not as an actor. <sighs> Even though he was nominated for Best Actor for Rocky? But he played the beaten... I don't know where my money is because I've been boxing too long. <laughs> Perfectly. You know, he, you know, and today it's July 6th. He just turned 75 years old. Jeez. Stallone is 75 and looks better than both of us combined. Yes, he does. Anyway, Shelton right. cast Costner because of the actor's natural athleticism. Costner was a former high school baseball player and was able to hit two home runs while the cameras were rolling. And according to Shelton, insisted, quote, on throwing runners out even when the cameras weren't rolling, end quote. Dude, that's awesome. Guy was in the role. Yes, he was. Uh, he cast Robbins over the strong objections of the studio who wanted Anthony Michael Hall instead. No. <laughs> Just a flat out no. No, sir, I wouldn't like it. <laughs> Shelton had to threaten to quit before the studio backed off. Uh, that, that'll do it. Wow. Uh, producer Tom Mount, who is part owner of the real Durham Bulls, hired Pete Bach, a former semi-pro baseball player, as a consultant on the film. Bach recruited more than a dozen minor league players, ran a tryout to camp to recruit an additional 40 to 50 players from the lesser ranks, hired several minor league umpires, and conducted two-a-day workouts and practice games with Tim Robbins pitching and Kevin Costner catching. Turning everyone into a method actor. <laughs> yeah. Really, because I'm, I'm reading all this, and they like they had to recruit players. They had to train them. Mind you, these are already semi-professional players already. But, again, when you read that last line, it's just to get Costner and Robbins working, working with the team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but also all the scenes with all the players, they got to get them to look real also. Yeah. Uh, he said, quote, the director would say, this is the shot we want. What we need is the left fielder throwing a one hopper to the plate. Then we need a good collision at the plate, end quote. I would select the players. I know I could do the job. And then we would go out and get it done. Dude, if I was, I mean, this is just me. Minor league player trying to go through the ranks at this time. Hey, we want you to be a part of a baseball movie. I would be all in. Like, you don't have to pay me. Yes. That would be so much fun knowing that something I, this is my job. And now I'm getting to make a movie about it. You know, that would be cool. Well, Steve, do you remember seeing this for the first time? And what did you think? So I don't remember the exact day but or whatever like that, but this was something that my dad wanted me to watch. Um, it might have been one of those made-for-TV Bull Durham movies, mm. which I can totally see where a lot of the scenes would be cut out. I like especially the first one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, And I don't even know, think that those exist anymore. I never see this movie on TV. But then again, I really don't have cable. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You are streaming everything now. I, I, everybody streams everything. Yeah. Um, my dad loved this movie along with another handful of baseball movies. So this is said. This was something that he said, Steve, you, you have to see. What about you? Uh, the first time I saw this, I was in my 30s. I did not see this when I was younger. 
I do have fond memories of seeing it in the TV guide all the time when I was younger. It seemed like it was always in the TV guide. And if you don't know what a TV guide is, everybody, it was a little book that came in your mail every Sunday that told you everything that was gonna be on every channel during the week before we had 700 channels to choose from and find nothing on. Yeah, or you actually went to the TV Guide channel and waited for that box to come down. It would scroll. And then sometimes you'd wait there. It's like, wait, the time's going to change. So you could see the times change and click up. And sometimes you waited even longer to see it go down to the lower numbers because that's where the dirty movies were to see what was playing. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, you could not, however, hit an info button to see what was going on in the movies. No. Yeah, so when I saw Bull Durham, I was like, what the hell is this? I don't care. Yeah, because, I mean, the only people who would recognize it if you know who the Bull Durham minor league team is, because right. what else is Bull Durham? You would think, oh, maybe it's about a bull. I oh, don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. But let's get into a synopsis of this movie with a little clip. Look, I don't believe in fighting, all right? Let's just... Oh, that's really sweet. I don't believe... Fuck you, you pussy. 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 All right. Take the first shot at me. No way, man. I don't hit no man first. (laughs) All right, then. Hit me in the chest with that. I'd kill you. Yeah? From what I hear, you couldn't hit water if you fell out of a fucking boat. Ow! (laughs) (laughs) Throw it. Throw it. Come on. Right in the chest. No way. Come on, mate. You're not going to hit me because you're starting to think about it already. Huh? Starting to think how embarrassing it would be to miss in front of all these people, how somebody might laugh. Come on, Rook. Show us that million-dollar arm because I got a... Oh, I got a good idea about that five-cent head of yours. Nail it. Drop Ball four. Who the f are you, man? Good punch. I'm Crash Davis. I'm your new catcher, and you just got lesson number one. Don't think. Can only hurt the ball club. Uh, Come inside, I'll buy you a drink. The movie starts with old photos of classic baseball players and narrated by Annie Savoy. She talks about her love for baseball as well as her love for sleeping with great players in the minors. She leaves her house and heads to the ballpark. So this whole montage is kind of cool because how she kind of relates baseball to relationships. It's actually kind of seamless. Yes, it is. Kind of like a two or a four seamer oh. for the baseball fans out there. And for those of that are not, what the hell's a two or four seamer? So I'm pretty sure that... The seams on a baseball, if you have like your pointer finger and your middle finger on the seams, yep. that's two seams. Okay. If you rotate the ball and they go perpendicular mm. to the seams, you're making two seams with your fingers and the other two seams are on the ball, four seams. You know, what's funny is I just watched Spaceballs. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. You just went to plaid. Uh, I don't remember. Because you made a crisscross. Yeah, that's exactly what it does. They've gone to plaid. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Immediately, I get, I understand now right away who Annie is. I know who she is. Super smart, conceited, town hoe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, at the local minor league ballpark that houses the Durham Bulls, the couches go the couches. The coaches go searching for their star play, pitcher, Ebby Lelouch, only to find him fraternizing with Millie, the daughter of a donor, who has a pen shot for screwing around with all the players on the team. Ebby asks his manager if he needs a nickname, since all the greats have nicknames, to which his manager stares at him like he's a moron and walks away. Because he is a moron. He is a moron. Uh, when Ebby is looking for a nickname, though, I do love the fact that Millie comes up with the name Pokey. Pokey. How about Pokey? <laughs> but then when she describes how he screws, she says, quote, well, he's kind of all over the place, which kind of explains the Pokey name, because he'd just be Pokey. <laughs> it's like, wait, that's not it. But also his lack of control. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, that totally makes sense now. Uh, and my apologies to Annie. You are not the town hoe. That'd be Millie. Millie's the town hoe. Well, Annie's passing off the torch. I think before Millie showed up, it was all Annie. And it's like <laughs> Annie's trying to help these ball players and... You got Millie coming. Oh, I guess that was just Millie's personality when she came in. She was a town hoe, but she's trying to mold and be a mentor to Millie. Yes. And not be that way. Like when she asks her, when she sits down to like repeat, I can't remember what it says, no, it's not my fault. Or no, it was my fault that I went in there and fraternizing with the players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am responsible for my decisions. <laughs> yeah. Like right in the beginning of this movie, I can just tell this is a no rules minor league team. Yes, it is. I mean... I mean, I, there's the rules of the game, but that's really about it. And this is supposed to be AAA. And I mean, I have a problem with this later on. That's like, okay, you're like one step away from the show. And it's like, uh, it, it was just crazy. It's not quite, what was the movie? Uh, spring training or what was the one with Jessica Beale where it was about Carolina baseball? I don't know. I don't watch And baseball. Freddie Prince Jr. I don't watch baseball chip flicks. It's just the coaches have like no control. No, none. And what do you think of... Uh, Larry. So, no. Larry. His name is Larry. <laughs> His name is Knox. <laughs> Every time I see him, I mean, and, and to me, he's typecasted in Batman 89. I this know. This is Knox. I absolutely love him in the dugout. He's an old school tobacco chewing, yelling from the dugout <laughs> coach. He almost sounds like Farmer Fran from Waterboy at times <laughs> because you can't understand what he's saying. It's let so it go, funny. Let go. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, that. that is his contribution. Yes. Uh, during the game, it's clear that Abby has a hell of an arm in that it looks like Satan is in control of it since it's more chaotic than Rick Wildthing Vaughn from Major League. Annie is mentoring Millie in the ways of being a strong, independent woman from the press box. Upon seeing Ebby's lack of control, she asks Millie to pass him a note with some pitching suggestions on how to regain some of that aim. I, I kind of wonder, as a coach, like, how would you feel about external coaching from Annie? Uh, you and I are both coaches. How do you, how do you like your uh, parents shouting over to the soccer bench? Mind you, stay in your lane. It, it, stay in your lane. I would hate it. Yep. And just out of curiosity, who do you think has less control as a pitcher? Wild thing or nuke? Uh... Well, in the beginning of the movie, because, I, I mean, as yes. it goes on, it clearly changes because the guy is asked to hit a ball and he hits a ball. Dead from, from, from the beginning. Well, uh, he, yeah, I would say that I want to say Nuke probably has more control. See, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's been a while since I've seen while, our um, major league and I have seen it, but it's yeah. been a long time. Well, Charlie Sheen was considered for the role, role of Nuke. Well, that's the same character. Yes. So you got to play him, yeah. what, 10 years later in Major League? Yeah. I think it worked out better for Charlie. Probably. After the game, the coaches talk of how he walked 18 and struck out 18. A new league, all new league records. Crash Davis, a veteran of 12 years in minor league baseball, walks in. He's been sent down to single-A baseball to educate the rookie picture. See, it's single-A, not triple-A. But 
Bull Durham is a triple A team. In real life? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but not in the fiction. So they said it was a single A team. Yes. Okay. To educate, the, see, this is going to change a grade. Ebby to become a major leaguer and to help him learn to control his pitching. Although Crash is pissed by this demotion and where his career appears to be at, he quits and then reconsiders after realizing he's out of options. Yeah, he was like in that mindset of like, no, no, I quit, I quit, I quit. And then I'm sure like the managers and everybody else is like, you know, you're not quitting. What, what, what are you going to do? Yes. What are you going to do? Nothing. You know? <laughs> uh, like, how would you like an office like this, though? <laughs> I, I mean, in my office, I have a fridge, but mm-hmm. I am not allowed to have alcoholic beverages in there. Um, and smoking in the locker room. Smoking. And you could smoke on planes in 1988. Well, that's that's. Good that you brought that up because I want to know, when is this movie taking place? Is this like the late, it's got to be like the late 80s. So I dug a little bit into this after seeing what you wrote yesterday. I was like, let me find out exactly. So it looks like it's taking place in 1988 from all the fashion and all the furniture and all that crap. But if it is based on the writer's experiences, I'd almost say it's a 10 year period, like 78 to 88. Okay. Because yeah. Yeah, I think after we had that conversation initially, I did the same thing. Look at the bars, look at the clothing, look at the dancing. Yes. I think I saw, like, what, the sprinkler in there. I have no idea what, what Tim Robbins was doing. No clue. But he, um, he was just a, I just. He had a nuclear meltdown. Well, he looked like he had, like, a Tony Montana kind of outfit. He had them wide collars. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it was a white suit. Yes. Uh, I do love that Crash introduces himself as the player to be named later in the trade. Because you always hear that with trades, like the Lions traded for two picks and a player to be named later. Well, isn't that what they were going to call the movie, too? Yes. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. See? Great writing. Who's this? I'm the player to be named later. And that's exactly how Kevin Costner delivered the line. Uh, that evening, <laughs> at the local watering hole, Crash meets Annie. Ebby is busy dancing with every single girl in the bar. Annie appears impressed, but Crash is dismissive of the youth brashness of Ebby and challenges him to a fight outside. They go to the alley, and in front of all of his teammates, Crash insults Ebby to a point where Ebby gets in his own head so badly that when, a, when given a baseball to throw at Crash from a few yards away, he still can't hit him in the chest. Ebby is given the nickname Meat. Crash introduces himself as his new catcher. They go back inside of the bar, and Annie invites them both to her place. So now that we've established that he has a nickname now, because he kind of gets a couple over the over the course of the movie, can we not just call him Ebby? Because that just doesn't sound right. Like I didn't even know his name was Ebby. It was either Meat or Nuke or Lelouch. Lelouch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like what is Ebby? I didn't even know that. But the first thing I I got from this is as, as soon as Crash, like they're sitting down, they're having the drinks with the older guy who's just like he's that guy in town who knows Durham Bowls. Yes. I don't know if he's actually a part of the organization or not but he knows everything and anything that's been over like probably the last 30, 40 years. And I think what she asked, do you want to dance or something like that? And then crash immediately steps in the way of meat asking for, you know, for Annie for a dance. And I knew that this was like, this is the beginning of the training. Yes. I look forward to completing your training. young Skywalker. Because they, they explain (laughs) that when they walk into the, uh, the manager's office. This is why you're here. Mm-hmm. And then this is when he got all pissed. Oh, I'm quitting. But, you know. Yeah. It's actually not a bad gig. You know, you're you kind of spent. You're not going to the majors anymore. You're still making money. You just got to you got to have the mentor role. And it, it's I, I guess in a career it might be tough to do, but I kind of make an easy money. I mean, Brett Favre didn't like to do it with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but he's make Dude wouldn't go away. Yeah. And then he went to another team and. Took them to the NFC Championship. He did. Oh, in the division, too. 
That's a slap in the face because we know he didn't do anything with the Jets. No. That was a stopgap. When they walk outside of the bar, obviously because Meat has to, you know, macho chauvinism, you know, whatever. He has to, we have to fight. And it's actually like a unique way because usually guys, they're like, this is a definitely back in the day fight. We're like, we're meeting outside. Uh, Are you coming or not? (laughs) Don't know why I did that. (laughs) Yeah. What? So he goes away and then, are you coming or not? It's like, okay, fine. Yeah, I, I guess I have to do this now. It's just like, you know, a rite of passage. But, you know, again, that's the beginning of the training. And then he carries a ball. He pulls a ball out of his pocket. And I'm yes. thinking, who carries a ball on him? I mean, you got to have a lot of love for the game. Yeah. To, it, you didn't get, okay. No, I understand what you're saying with the for love of the game. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I hate that movie. I thought it was going to be, okay. Yeah. So I. It wasn't a major league joke. Boom. that was a lot better that was a lot better but i mean he pulls his ball out of him like this is just something regular regularly that he has is this just like an ongoing thing does he always have a ball on him i guess i'm just thinking way too much into this no because i don't recall carrying a soccer ball with me everywhere i went when i was playing sports I do know that sometimes football players will carry a football with them, like running backs, as challenges from coaches. Like you need to hold on oh, to this yes. to avoid yeah. fumbling. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. You know. Yeah. Protect it like a. Don't like a hold baby. it out like it's a loaf of bread. Yes. But I mean, there's a couple of times where he falls. It's like you fall on baseball. That that's got to leave a couple of bru- That's got to hurt like a rib or something up there. I just I just thought that was weird that he just pulls the ball out of his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I like this scene. I think it's a fantastic scene because. I, I do wonder how many takes they took so that Robbins would throw that ball and Coster would not flinch. Because that, that ball is close to him. Yeah, it's just like, well. If if Robbins just accidentally aims at him, it's going to knock his ass out. But, I mean, I feel that if I'm standing right here yeah. and I want to throw the ball as fast as I can, uh-huh. I can – Easily, purposely throw it through your window right behind you. I mean, and I think that nine times out of ten, I would miss you. But there would be one time where I lose control. And I don't want to be in front of a ball like that. Where it's, there's no control behind this it. This must have been all the training they did with the other baseball players. Maybe. How to miss on purpose. Yeah. I, I would know. I would just hope that they put like a, a glass screen between Indy and the Cobra in this case. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And just like you st- <laughs> the ball will case. never hit you, Kevin. <laughs> just in case. Uh at Annie's, she proposes that she's going to date one of them for the season because they're the best prospects on the team. However, Crash isn't feeling this and challenges her sensibilities before leaving. Ebby stays back as Annie's consolation prize and new suitor. Ebby immediately starts getting ready for some sex, but Annie's all about romantic foreplay, thus teaching Ebby about patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I do have the speech here. Here is the speech. Well, I believe in the soul. The cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, but the novels of Susan Sontag, her self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. That was my I favorite. believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. Good night. <laughs> 
Every, Mic drop. Everything that he says, I totally agree with, especially, especially <laughs> opening up your presents, presents Christmas morning. Exactly. There's no opening on Christmas Eve. Yeah, that's so... That's incredibly old school and I, traditional, and that's the way I like it. For years, because of the way he says this line, though, I thought it was, I believe in a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf in the designated hitter instead of and the designated hitter. Yeah. I was like, I don't understand what AstroTurf and the designated hitter have to do with each other. Yeah. But thankfully, when I wrote this out, I was like, oh, they're separate things. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I don't have to be a, a baseball baseball to understand it. Such a meathead. <laughs> <laughs> Who's a meathead? Nuke? Yeah, he, he's just like, He's so funny because he walks in there just thinking he's going to get laid and, you know, get sex instead. And then instead he gets Walt Whitman. Yes. Yeah. He, you know? th- doesn't he get tied up? He does get tied up. He's like, oh, I don't know. I've never, I've never done that before. <laughs> and he's sitting there ready to go. And then she kind of walks over, you know, half-heartedly and then pulls a book out. I'm like, uh. <laughs> And then that's like the same thing that she had said during the opening montage, you know, something about Walt Whitman with that Southern Belle kind of an accent. Yes. I remember like that. So having that come back here is like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember saying that. So this is, again, this is all part of the training. <laughs> back at the baseball clubhouse, the team begins to bond. We see the camaraderie of the team. Abby walks in and declares his new nickname is Nuke, which he got from Annie. Again, I love the writing in this. Between Co- anything with Costner and Robbins is absolutely phenomenal. You're not going to the show with fungus on your shoes. <laughs> it's just there, there's so many one good liners that me and my buddies back at school we would always like reference to each other. There was this one new there was this new kid who came in when um, at the restaurant that I worked at. He was going to be a server. And we all called him Meat. Meat, <laughs> <laughs> and we still call him Meat to this day. But it's just. Uh, there, there's so many one-liners like that, and we'd always say it to each other, and that was definitely one of them. Yeah, she does call him a nuclear meltdown, and that's when he goes with nuke. But nuke could also be the same thing as new kid, like you. Like when we talked about oh, when yeah. we talk, today, we talk about noobs. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is a nuke. Yeah, the new, new kid. kid on the team. Uh, and the whole quote was, "Your shower shoes have fungus on them. You'll never make it to the bigs with fungus on your shower shoes. Think classy, you'll be classy. <laughs> if you win twenty in the show, you can let the fungus grow back, and the press will think you're colorful. Until you win twenty in the show, however, it means you're a slob." And then he throws the fungus shoes right at his face. Fantastic writing. And I love when he comes in when he when uh, Nuke comes in. He's like <laughs> hungover as all his. How you doing, uh, Lelouch? Says, "Call me Nuke." <laughs> He's got this most hungover glasses on. Got like this, I don't know what kind of like button down, open collared shirt that's just wild. Call me Nuke. And he's establishing his presence in the locker room. He's getting ready to Hungover be, is all crap. He's getting ready for his Top Gun roll. Yeah. Uh, the next game crashes up at bat and strikes out. And he sends him a note giving him suggestions on what he should do to be more successful the next time he's at bat. Crash responds on the note with, let's fuck anytime. Millie translated as, I won't make love to you, Crash. At the batting cages the next pokey. At the batting cages the next day, Annie and Crash discuss Nuke and their roles in his season. We also learn that Crash is close to breaking the minor league record for home runs in a season. During their discussion, Annie realizes she's met her intellectual match in Crash when it comes to romance and relationships. That night, while making love to Nuke, she calls out Crash's name. That's great. <laughs> Millie right here. Okay. I, yes. I after reading through this and watching it, I was like. This is a very pivotal scene. Uh huh. Millie decides right then how the rest of this movie is going to play out. <laughs> it's it's such a vital scene because if she says exactly what's on the note, you know, Annie's just like, ugh. But the fact that you know he says something a little bit more romantic, it's like, 
oh, it's like, it, it, she got that <laughs> sweep me off my feet mentality. It's like, oh, there's a challenge here. Yes. Challenge accepted. Yeah, for what her crass think? behavior. She's still a lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> we all deserve to wear white. <laughs> uh, the quotes in this movie, again, they're just memorable. Would you rather be making love to crash and calling out your name? You know, when she says that. She does double back on that and makes it seem like, oh, okay, I guess it's not that bad. No, she weasels out of all of her predicaments. Oh, it's great, yeah. Yeah, and watching Costner bad, he has a really natural swing. Yeah, I mean, now I was thinking about it, you know, does he even have batting gloves? Because that would make it more iconic, but I think he does. So I think you see him in the dugout where he's got a bat, his batting gloves on, or I think when the uh, the ball boy comes up to him, says, get a hit. <laughs> what does he say? I can't remember. What does he say? Just... Like, f- off or like, something like, like that? Go get him, Crash. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Still pissing he has to be there. <laughs> the next game, Crash forces Nuke to learn, quote, not to think by letting the catcher make the pitching calls. When Nuke's ego gets in the way, Crash teaches him a lesson by telling the batter what pitch is coming to humble Nuke. Lesson learned. This is... I... Love this scene. This is a classic Just scene. Just go and bloviate. When, it's all right. <laughs> when when people think of Bull Durham, yes. they are, th- uh, in my opinion, they're thinking of this scene. Anytime that these two are on the mound together, it is the best parts of the movie. Mm. Maybe it's because I love the fact that baseball is such a kind of a niche, I, I don't, maybe not a niche sport, but there's a lot of things that go with it. And it's almost like, do you think that these meetings actually happen on the mound in real baseball games? Because they are so secretive. Are they actually, are the coaches actually talking about baseball stuff? Or are they just, you know, a pitcher's all wound up. You just need him to calm down. Hey, let's just talk about some random stuff. I mean, that's just something that I will never know. Joel, I know that you're a baseball guy. <laughs> um, you should be here to explain this part. Yes. But it's just such a fraternity. It could be literally anything because all these clubhouses are such night tit. I heard it. <laughs> it was just such a what's niche. A, what's a night tit? I don't know what a night tit is, <laughs> uh, Joel. But um, they're just a niche group, and it, again, it could be anything. Oh, tight knit. Is that what it? Yeah, knit, yeah. knit tit. Yeah, as a, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we get this line. Relax. All right, don't try to strike everybody out. Strikeouts are boring. Besides that, they're fascist. Throw some ground balls. It's more democratic. He does this after being shaken off. <laughs> Which is the most hilarious thing in the world because it's almost like he doesn't know how to shake off a catcher. And he's like trying to hide the fact that he's shaking off, you know, like his character. It's it's like, it's terrible. Like his whole entire face is like jiggling. But, you know, when they say that, they say throw some more balls, you know, they're more democratic, you know. it. He, he's coming in there acting like he's a closer. Yeah. And they kind of want him to be more like a Rick Porcello (laughs) where you don't get strikeouts, but you get ground outs. Yeah. What's funny is when he goes out there to confront him, he gives him like a a whole bunch of advice. But when you really look at the advice, none of it makes any fucking sense. It's basically just telling him, would you just stop thinking? Like, just stop thinking. Like, hold. And by the way, hold it like an egg. Hold it like an Think about this. When you've thrown a baseball, have you ever held it like a fucking egg? No, but I guess if you're asking, like, well, he's just he's just trying to make it simple. He's thinking too much about X, Y, and Z. It's just like relax on like the concrete. Like, just hold it nice and easy. Just throw what I tell you to throw. That's all you need to do. By the I'll way, take me, care of the rest. You don't know shit. 
But after he 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 decides he's gonna throw a fastball, and what does he do? He gives the the batter the signal, says, "Hey, fastball's coming." Tease him up. The ball goes flying, and we get this wonderful, wonderful scene. Well, he really hit the shit out of that one, didn't he? <laughs> Like yeah, and he scrambled the son of a bitch. Look at that, he hit the fucking ball. Gotta get some free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh yeah, I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. He did know. Ah. I told him. <laughs> After he goes, don't think, just throw. <laughs> I can't. It's just so great. <laughs> You know what's funny about that scene? I truly feel like when Kevin Costner isn't asked to act, he has the most fun. Oh, yeah. That was a genuine laugh right there. Yeah, it was. It was oh, I... <laughs> the Durham Bulls end up losing, and when the manager comes to Crash asking him how to get these young players in line, Crash explains that he should scare them. So he's come in to help out with this rookie. Yes. And now he's helping the veteran coach? He, Crash has experience. I, mm. I guess this is almost, this has got to be a little bit foreshadowing towards the end of the movie. A little bit. Yeah. And again, it's just, it's, it's, it's great writing. Like the before scene on the mound when he's talking with Nuke to what the coach has to say. And again, Knox. <laughs> One Mississippi, two Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, uh, I, I don't even know. Well, when he asked Knox to, I can't remember the coach's name. Larry. Larry. When he asked him to like <laughs> Knox or Larry count. Then he starts knowing the one Mississippi. He's just a kiss-ass coach living in the shadow of his bench boss, and he's just happy to have a job. But it's the Mississippis that make that scene. It is. Because he goes all the way to 10 with it. Yeah, and it it can't go like one, two. No, these are official counts. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, (laughs) three Mississippi. All the way on. It's just like, it's, I love it. Gosh, you ought to get the ball around the empty. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. Do you know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. Larry is amazing. Uh, early in the morning, the players uh, the players get ready to go on a road trip. Annie gives Nuke a pair of Annie's lingerie to wear while he's pitching to help him. On the bus, Crash talks about the pleasure of life in the show, which he briefly lived for the 21 greatest days of his life, and to which he has tried for years to return. Annie is really rocking the cradle. You mean robbing the cradle. As in Tim robbing the cradle? No, as Uh, in that's the term, robbing the cradle. Okay. Rocking the cradle is taking care of someone. Rock a bit. Okay, I got you. (laughs) This is what happens when you have kids. Yeah, I I don't know. The road trip montage, the road trip montage is absolutely great because of the play-by-play announcer alone. You mean where he has to hit the block? Yes, <laughs> to represent that it's a hit. You know, I just can't say, "Oh, I hit out to left field." You go, right. Uh, this is a great scene. It illustrates not that Costner has been a ball player for a long time, but that the career he has had is one of mediocrity with highs and lows. And I love the way that the young players look up to him when he's talking about his time in the majors because it looks almost aspirational, like someday we may see that point. Yeah, I've been to the show. Oh, you've been, what, he's been, you've been to the show? What, what? They all like, their ears are like wide open, like, oh my gosh, the, 
You were pro at one time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is another important scene because you need this in order to show that Crash is comparing his experiences to Nuke's possible future. And that's the whole thing is Crash trying to look at himself and then see this young brat and be like, okay, how do I steer this kid so he doesn't end up being the mediocre me? Yes. The road trip proves to be doomed as Nuke continues to disregard Crash's advice and overthinks so much that it ends up being one of the worst road stretches in Durham history. At one particular stop on the road, Crash rigs the sprinkler system at the baseball park to flood the field just in order to get a rain out. You want a rain out? I get your rain out. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> we got ourselves a natural disaster. <laughs> this scene, again, it's another good, another great scene. And I... Costner and his crew, because I don't think Tim Robbins was involved in this at all. He wasn't in that scene, no. So I just can like see the director just go, okay, this is the scene. This is what we need you to do. Go. Yeah. And it just looks like they have the absolute most fun out of any scene in this entire movie. Because they're like, they're running around the bases. They're sliding head first. You see Costner pick up the sprinkler <laughs> and spraying the guy as he's sliding in the you know home base from, from third. It's um, it, it just looks like so much fun. Yeah. It's in the end, they're playing a kid's game. They are. And they're, they get to act like kids. Yep. On the bus, Nuke awakens from a nightmare where he's pitching naked, except for Annie's lingerie. Crash comforts him. It's clear that Nuke is starting to realize that Crash is a role model. Now, it's funny because the scene is... Uh, the soundtrack is the song that Nuke is singing on the bus. Women get woolly. <laughs> he goes, women don't get woolly. Oh, yeah. Learn the words. <laughs> so what he's having his dream, he's singing, he's hearing the song that it actually is. Uh, and you see him stand there naked in the garters, tossing the ball. And he has the dumbest look on his face when he lets the ball go. Like, huh? <laughs> But it's funny because if you watch this movie from the, the perspective of the relationship between the characters, this is the first instance where Crash knowingly seeks out Nuke to take care of him. Mm -hmm. This is really where Crash starts to accept the responsibility of passing his lessons on to Nuke. Because before, it's always Nuke happened to be there and he's got to say something wisdom-like to him. Yeah. God, I hate it when people get the words wrong. <laughs> I when they, <laughs> when they return to Durham, Annie is waiting for Nuke. They go to Annie's house and play catch where, with Millie, where Annie gives him advice like, quote, bleeding through his eyelids in order to help him control of his pitches. I love that Millie just looks like straight up trailer trash chewing a big wad of gum in that dress and catcher's mask. Yeah, it's like she's bringing a, yeah, a big old, the, the big chew. Yeah, I got big chew gum in there. Uh, and, and Jesus, it, either Annie is trying to sound smarter than she actually is, or she's a freaking genius getting Nuke to focus on something other than the pitch itself. Doing a better job than what Crash did. I mean... I mean, with I, he hasn't worn the garters yet, but he has them. And the, the rose goes in the front. Yeah. <laughs> and if you think about it, it's like, as, cra as crazy as it sounds, it's distracting him from all the other things that he shouldn't be thinking about. It's like, is this on right? Why... I mean, you've, yeah, like you've played sports. You. you know it's very easy to overthink a play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, back at the clubhouse, Crash catches Nuke putting on Annie's lingerie. <laughs> the rose goes, goes in the front. In front. Nuke tells Crash that Annie has suggested that he listen to Crash's advice from now on. So, Annie's suggesting that he fo she follows, or he follows Crash's advice. Yeah, this is where the, uh, the heads start to button. Now, now he's got two mentors, and now he's... I think he's, but I don't know if he's tried the way of Crash and it's not working yet. And now he's just going with Annie, who's just a little bit, it's a little bit more simple. Granted, he's saying, 
Just throw. Don't think. Right. It's as simple enough as it is, but it's like, just put this on. Breathe through your eyelids, which I was, even when I watched this again, I was like, what the heck does that mean? Right. And it's not until he does his wind up where you can technically see <laughs> who he's trying to literally breathe through his eyelids. And he it's looks one straight of the up funniest thing. He doesn't even look at the mound. He doesn't even look at the, at, at the catcher. Uh, but then again, I, if you would say, go ahead and breathe through your eyelids, what would you try to do? I don't know. Exactly. For years, we've said things like stretch out with your feelings. What the f*** does that actually mean? <laughs> like, we, we act like it's all this wisdom from Star Wars, but no one has been able to tell me what that actually looks like. <laughs> At the game, Nuke takes Annie's and Crash's advice and his pitching improves. Crash continues to hit homers, leading him up to the season record. Unfortunately, it's not all roses <laughs> because when Nuke gets a little too high on himself, he shakes off Crash's signals and Crash again tells the batter what the pitch will be, resulting in a home run. Lesson relearned. Yeah, it's great because now he's getting high on himself. And again, it's it's a lesson relearned and it's a new lesson learned that, okay, you were at this crappy part. We got it all taken care of. You're doing, doing great. And now you're starting to get cocky and confident again. New lesson. Stay with what you know. Yeah, and I love that this time Crash doesn't. When he sees the shaking off, he doesn't go to the mound. He does Here not comes go to the deuce. He just goes. This son of a bitch is throwing a two-hit shutout. He's shaking me off. You believe this shit, <laughs> Charlie? Here comes the deuce. And when you speak of me, speak well. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets caught up with all these pitchers in the majors now of like, oh, you know, so and so they threw a no hitter, or you don't see perfect games anymore. Yeah, but you know, or a one pitch or. A, He's a first pitch fastball. Yeah, yeah. but you, you don't think of the catcher and the job that they have to do no. in order to do these games and making sure that everything's calm, the right signals are being called. And yeah, it's I, to, I totally understand Crash's perspective. Yeah. On the bus. On the bus? On, how about on the bus? On the bus, Crash teaches Nuke about cliches to tell reporters when asked questions. Crash advises Nuke to not sleep with Annie when they get back because you don't mess with a streak that's true and i gotta tell you these cliches have been around forever and whenever i hear athletes use them i think of this movie it, it's it, if it's not broke don't fix it exactly you know and it, it reminds me of a uh of a commercial that i saw it probably was a bud light commercial i don't know where it says well it's not funny until it doesn't work and they're like doing all these weird <laughs> things in the commercial and their team is winning on tv you know yes where they uh I don't know, they take, like, the Bud Light, they clink it two times, click it together, or, like, it's got to be done at the right time, all that stuff. This is exactly <laughs> what this is. You don't mess with the, you don't, well, you don't fuck with a winning streak. Did did Crash call the ump a cocksucker yet? I don't think he's got kicked out. Okay. I think that's the next game. Okay. Uh, which is one of my favorite scenes. No, it's iconic. At Annie's, Nuke is focused on keeping the streak alive, but Annie is wanting a little sexual healing. When Nuke frustrates Annie with rejection, she marches over to Crash's house to yell at him for getting involved in her sex life. Crash argues back to her that when it comes to Nuke, if he believes in the superstition, then it is as good as factually true for Nuke and that she should know it. Annie realizes that she wants Crash now, but Crash rejects her too, leaving Annie very upset. This is the damnedest season I've ever seen. I mean, the Durham Bulls can't lose and I can't get laid. <laughs> this is the battle for Nuke's soul. This, yeah, this is, uh... And Crash, is, Crash wins. It does. This is like control at its finest. Yep. Because 
you know, usually Nuke is thinking with the wrong head here. Yes. And he can easily go in and do that. But this is a awesome test for him, and it really continues that arc of his character as becoming a better pitcher. Yeah, athletes are superstitious, and the fact that Annie has forgotten this is the proof that Annie must grow up or become unnecessary. Yeah. Uh, at the next game, Nuke is having issues with his control again because his dad is visiting at the game. <laughs> That's your old man. Wave to him. He's just your old man. He's full of shit as anybody else. <laughs> at the mound, the players gather mid-game to discuss all the issues bothering them. Excuse me, what the hell's going on out here? Well, Nuke's scared because his eyelids are jammed and his old man's here. We need a live, was it a live rooster? We need a live rooster to take the curse off Jose's glove, and nobody seems to know what to get Millie or Jimmy for their wedding present. Is that about right? That's right. We're yeah. dealing with a lot of shit. Well, uh, candlesticks always make a nice gift, and uh, maybe you can oh find out where she's registered, maybe a place setting, or maybe a silverware pattern. Okay, let's get to it. Here we go. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. It's great. But he, now, now that I hear it, he's like, he never answered any of the other problems either. Like, uh, well, there's a... Uh, he can't do anything with the rooster. <laughs> there's a barn down the road. We can uh, get Mr. Porter's, you know, rooster or something like that. We can take care of that. But but don't they do that in Major League where they're like, they, we need to sacrifice might. a live chicken. They get him a bucket of KFC. KFC. Oh, oh, I can't remember. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. The So at the mound, the players all get around. Eventually, oppositional home runs occur, and Crash gets kicked out of the game for calling the umpire a word you never call umpires. Crash must have called the guy a cocksucker. Mmm, God, he's so romantic. <laughs> Which is totally different because in the very beginning of the movie, he says, I want to make love to you, and then she su- she feels the same exact way. But yeah. now he's calling the upper cock. Oh, he's so romantic. And this is when she's doing her dress trying on, right? Because uh, she's in her white wedding dress. Yeah, go Millie. figure that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't even get me started on that thing. Yeah. All in all, they end up losing. Now, because they lost, Nuke comes calling back to Annie now that their streak is over. And he also brings his father to meet Annie. While at Annie's, Nuke's, Nuke gets a phone call that he's being called up to the majors and leaves Annie. Now, why would you bring your dad to someone you were just planning on plowing right then and there? What's he going to do? Wait in the parlor? I guess she got it. I guess it's something traditional. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Nuke's thinking too much about this relationship. Like, when when this showed up, I'm like, what is Nuke thinking? This is where this is going to go. You're introducing him to the parents. <laughs> and I, Susan Sarandon is a great actress. She, she is. She really is. Yeah. She. And, and the I'm, fact that, that that this this super Christian father is walking into this, this den of every religion meshed into one. Yeah, he's walking into a, a Bordeaux. Or, um, a bordella. <laughs> a bordella, yeah. But Susan Sarandon, the way she reacts to all of it, she does her best to be the hospitable Southerner. Mm-hmm. But she also does things like this. Let's have a quick word of prayer. Oh, let's not. <laughs> yeah, she's she knows how to turn things on a switch, like her personality on a dime. Yes. On the spot. So, yeah, and then, but, yeah, that's kind of weird. Hey, you don't want to pray? No, no, that's, that's, that's not. <laughs> Nuke goes to find Crash at a local pool hall to tell him his good news and thank him for all his advice. However, Crash is filled with jealousy and envy and attacks him. At this scene, I got like 
Nuke's arc is complete. <laughs> I feel like he's up to the show. He's a lot more humble now. He's walking around. He wants to go thank everybody. I mean, maybe that can be considered in the next scene where they two have kind of a sit down kind mm-hmm. of talk in the locker room. But you can just tell that. And as a audience member, you're you're happy for Nuke. Yeah. You've seen everything that you've gone through. Yeah. And you can also understand, well, Grass is a little drunk and he's destroying his friend's bar. Which that's his friend is only concerned about it is this bar when he breaks that mirror. <laughs> hey, what's going on here? I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to start fighting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about my mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even though Nuke's arc is complete, Crashes is not. Not yet. Yeah, and I do like that Crash seems to have a lot of respect for people in the town, including the pool hall owner who was a ball player back in the day. He, Crash seems to have learned the history of what's around him because mm-hmm. he's new to that area too. Yeah. Uh, the next day, Crash approaches Nuke as he's packing for the majors and apologizes, and the boys make up. Also, Millie gets married to Jimmy, the Bible thumper, on the mound. While celebrating the wedding in the locker room, Crash is told to come to the manager's office, where he's being told that he's being cut from the Durham Bulls for a younger catcher. Skip tells Crash he could be a minor league manager someday, but Crash is struck hard by the news that he's reached the end of his career. I get that. That's, that, that's tough to... To take, you know, it's one thing to come in here and mentor something, but when you're being cut for someone who's a lot younger, that mm-hmm. you know, that gets your pride a lot. Yeah, when so. you've devoted your whole life to something and you aren't in control of when it ends, mm-hmm. that's got to be scary for anybody who's a career athlete. Yeah, yeah. And when you know, before you mentioned that Millie gets married to Jimmy, the Bible thumper on the mound. It's like, where the heck did this come from? I mean, I mean, you, you see the interaction. When they come off the road trip. Yes. She goes, have you found your Lord and Savior yet? And she goes, or she says, you can do whatever you want. You know, <laughs> something like that. And then you can hear. Can I tell you my testimony? <laughs> yeah. You hear nothing about that later. All of a sudden they're getting married. It's like Millie drops off the face of the earth. Yes. I mean, maybe they should have had like a dating scene or something uh, or just. I don't know. It's just, I just feel like. Well, I mean, on the mound, they do men- they do mention the wedding coming up, and I think Jose says, "Yeah, wait like- till we fi- wait till he finds out that she's basically been plowed by half the guys in the Carolina League." <laughs> yeah, but that's like the first thing that you like. Wait, are they- they're getting married now? Like, you don't hear anything up like before that. again. If they had like a dating scene in there, okay. And I, I, the only thing I just see is like the, this Marty from Tim the Toolman Taylor's brother and Millie. You know, that's that's exactly that that's who that is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's all I see on that. Yeah. I don't see anybody else. Another typecasted player. I think that they would have spent more time on this if the movie was about the team itself as opposed to yes. the individuals. Yes. Uh, but Because you needed this scene to show the, the the team celebrating and that juxtaposed with Crash's career ending. Yeah. I think that's why Major League was it might be a better movie there because you got to learn more about the separate players as opposed to just the two. Well, yeah. Although I made, I, I, I did. I remember doing Major League and saying this movie is about the catcher, because the movie was about oh, the Rob, catcher. Yeah, Barringer. Yeah, his character. Yeah, the catcher again. Yeah, is Major League Bull Durham re- rebooted? I think, dude. I think it is, <laughs> especially when you said that. You know, um, what's his face? Charlie Sheen was up for the role of this. And yes, just did it ten years later. I was like, this. Wow. Yeah, it's the Major League. It's the show version. Yeah. Crash visits Annie to explain his bad news, and Annie and Crash finally get to start up their relationship. Annie and Crash appear to be very happy with each other, and their relationship blossoms. However, one morning, Crash leaves to pursue his baseball dreams one last time, leaving her a note. 
Annie tries to convince herself that she respects him for his decision, but unlike other guys she's courted, she actually misses him. She is sad and depressed about him leaving. Yes. This has been her life, though. Yep. The, 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 this should be no surprise. This is what she's had to deal with time and time again. I guess this is just the one that really got to her. <laughs> yeah, it is one of my favorite back and forths, though, when they're eating cereal in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And she says, I think probably with my love of four-legged creatures and hooves and everything, that in another lifetime, I was probably Catherine the Great or Francis of Assisi. I'm not sure which one. What do you think? And Crashes looks at her and goes, how come in former lifetimes everybody's someone famous? But it's true. <laughs> That's true. And Annie's arc is com- now complete. Yeah. So we've completed uh, Nukes. We've completed Annie's. There's only one person left. Crash. Yep. We see Nuke being interviewed in the majors, applying the lessons he learned from Crash and the manager Skip. Crash then retires as a player and returns to Durham, where Annie tells him she's ready to give up her annual affairs with boys. Crash tells her that he is thinking about becoming a manager for a minor league team in Visalia. Both characters end one face of their lives and begin another. Annie and Crash dancing in her candlelit living room. And Crash's arc is complete now. Yeah, totally accepting of his... Uh, fate. Of his, thank you. Of his fate, yes. And that's all, folks. Now, according to the top critics at Rotten Tomatoes, it is a tomato meter reading of 100%. Are they really top critics? These are the top ones. I feel like not all critics, because there's all critics, and then you click on a link for top critics. Oh. Yeah. 14 fresh reviews, zero rotten. And the critics gave it an 8.2 out of 10. (laughs) On average. I mean, yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner is at his funniest and most charismatic in Bull Durham, a film that it says wise about relationships as it is about minor league baseball. That yeah, that wraps us up in, mm-hmm. totally. And the weird thing is normally we'll do the, the rotten quotes because those are fun to listen to. Oh, yeah. But we have none. There are no rotten quotes because nobody gave it a rotten score. Hmm. Uh, the audience score, which is the average rating the audience gave this film, is a four out of five with 82% agreeing it's a three or higher. Is this the first time they both matched? I mean, absolutely crazy. Playing the lottery. Uh, so the movie's over. Were you entertained? It was. Uh, go ahead. It was. Go- oh, sorry. I mean, it, it, it was. It was good. It but was great. It, it was good. But I realized that this wasn't the same the last time that I watched it. I, I don't know. It just, I felt like, well, that was a good movie. And then I turned it off and went to bed. Didn't have anything else to think about it after that. What about you? Round one, fight! Okay, you asshole, listen Uh up. This is one of the best baseball movies I have ever watched, okay? I've said this before. I hate the sport of baseball. I hate it. If that makes me un-American, I don't give a fuck. But when it comes to movies, baseball makes the best dramedies. Yes. Yeah. I was entertained by this thoroughly. (laughs) Thoroughly. And and that's cool, man. Okay, let's figure out if the awards got it right and whether this movie is worth your time or not. Okay. Uh, best, okay, at the Academy Awards, it was nominated for uh, Best Writing of a Screenplay, written directly for the screen, but Rain Man won. Well, yeah. I, I agree. Rain, Man's a, uh, Rain Man is a better written movie. Yeah, I mean, I would even... I mean, I love the writing in Bull Durham, but I'm looking at here. I've never seen a fish called Wanda. Big is another great movie. Yes, it is. I love that premise. Um, but I don't. There, there's like at least of the three that I've seen there. Those three 
Rain Man definitely. I give it to Rain Man. Yep. Yeah. Uh, at the Golden Globes, it had two nominations and zero wins. It was for Best Original Song. Uh, Bull Durham was up for When a, when a Woman Loves a Man, uh, but it, it lost to Buster, Two Hearts, and Working Girl. Let, so there was a tie that year? Uh, First of all, let me just say this right away. Cocktail and the uh, song Kokomo, that should have won. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- so, no, the wrong, the wrong song won there. Yeah, everything else. I mean, but I couldn't tell you when a woman loves a man. When does that come up in the movie? Uh, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, best performance by an actress in a motion picture, comedy, or musical went to Melanie Griffith for Working Girl. But Susan Sarandon was nominated for Bull Durham. Yeah, that's a rightful nomination. I'll give you that. And... I, I've seen Working Girl once. Yeah. If I saw it today, it would still be new. That was a hot Melanie Griffith. It was. That was Melanie Griffith at her, at her, at her zenith. Yes, it was. And I, yeah, that was a good movie. I think those two were... That could have gone either way between Susan Sarandon and Melanie Griffith. Yeah, I, I would give it to Griffith, though, because she was the lead in that, whereas Sarandon was the That's co-lead. True. Yep. And uh, nothing for the Saturn Awards or the MTV or the Razzies, so that's a plus. All right. On to our next segment titled Top 3 and Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight this movie, and then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Uh, Do you want to go first, or should I? You can go first. Okay. My number three is Millie. She serves practically no purpose in this movie, but whenever she's on the screen, she's like finding that one fry in the bottom of your Burger King onion rings. It's a little treat. You didn't want it, but you're happy to have it. (laughs) My number two, when Crash gets his signal shaken off by Nuke and he ends up teeing up on the batter to what is being pitched. It still makes me laugh to this day. What what, what part? The fact that he gets teed up or the, how he shakes off? How he shakes it off. The entire scene <laughs> is beautiful. And my number one is the famous speech, the I believe in speech. It's a great rant and dialogue wise, the centerpiece of this movie. Just imagine playing Immigrant Song at during that speech. Oh. <laughs> I can do that. That would be, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I can no, do that. I love that speech too. No, it's really good. Okay, what are your top three? So number three, uh, the fight between Crash and Nuke in the beginning. You could just tell <laughs> right away that this is going to be lesson number one, kid. Yes. Uh, my number two, any, and this is a tough number two to have because I almost wanted to get number one, any meeting on the mound whether it was just between Nuke and Crash or one where the entire infield comes together with Knox. Yes. Um, but mostly the interaction between Crash and Nuke, I love that writing. I'm just great. And my number one, Crash getting ejected and bumping and getting angry <laughs> with the umpire. I mean, the body language, that that's not scripted. You're a cocksucker. Yeah. I mean, and it's just as funny as hell to watch. It's just... At that point, it just says, okay, I need you to get angry and with the umpire because you didn't like the call, go. And I think Costner just does what he's got to do. Yeah, yeah. I It's funny because I think of sports and the only other, I think, sport that has this type of interaction with a referee might be the NBA, but it's never to the degree of baseball. Baseball seems like they don't give a shit if you're wearing black or not. They're going to get in your face and do something about it. Yeah. But there's always like in the NBA, the NFL, or um, or hockey, you never really see them interacting with the Fs as they do in the in major leagues. Well, maybe because I used to watch hockey a lot, you'd see it, but they're kind of contained, yeah, in, behind the bench. Then they're just yelling, unless it's you know Scotty Bowman and Mark Crawford yelling, yelling at each other. You know, <laughs> that is great. But no, yeah, you're right. In uh, 
I guess the closest one would probably be basketball, maybe because I'm a basketball coach and I've had my fair share with the referees. Yeah. Um, that would be like the next closest thing that you can get because it's open right there. Yeah, but you're not going to bump chess with a ref. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Time to move to the bottom three. It's time to vent. My number three, Kevin Costner's line reading is at times Anakin Skywalker-esque. Hayden Christensen-esque? A little bit. <laughs> Although I'm going to say it's Anakin Skywalker because I've seen Hayden in other movies and he can't act. Life is a house. The movie, okay, my number two, the movie starts to lose steam near the end. They were heavy with the comedy at the beginning, but the dramatic parts at the end pace this movie slower and slower. Yep, I totally agree. And my number one unpopular opinion, the clown prince of baseball. I hate him. To quote Joel, I hate his face. (laughs) I hate him. Yes. So those are my bottom three, Steve. Yeah, I hate his face. It's just like something you want to be punched. Steve, go for it. So, <laughs> oh where's okay? Highlight, strikeout. Okay, when I wrote this, I didn't know <laughs> that this was technically single light ball. But the Durham Bulls, if you're going to use their likeness, that's a triple A team. If not, call it something different. Because at this point, like you said in the beginning, says when you see Bull Durham. You don't know it's a baseball movie. Right. You can call it anything and anything else you want. So what I originally said, this is not a triple A ball. This seems more like single A ball or a beer league. Probably even worse than single A ball. But even so, you're right there. Because even if it's single A, there should still exactly. be more thing, more rules going on in that locker room. Yeah. And I mean, if if management knew what was going on, holy crap. Um. The punch is thrown. <laughs> There's only two. That connect. Maybe three, <laughs> but the sound is terrible. Because, yeah, well, one, they don't connect, and it's just like it's that old school punch sound. Someone just hit the button at the wrong time on the soundboard. Finish him. <laughs> Am I number one? The romance between Crash and Annie. At times, this seemed like a romance drama, not a sports movie. Interesting. And I didn't like it. No, sir, I no, didn't, sir. Like it. <laughs> didn't like it. Well, especially at the end. And I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you and what you said with your bottom three or um, your number two, where it said the pacing was just totally off. Because once Nuke leaves, everything's kind of like, uh, we wrapping this up. I felt like the movie should have ended right then and there. I get that you needed to wrap up a couple more characters, yes. but the movie felt like it ended. But isn't this movie a romance? I <sighs> It, Does, it, isn't that the opening line that Susan Sarandon says about baseball, about how romantic it is? There are parallels, yes. Well, she's talking about baseball, sports, and relationships. Yes, romance. So I guess they're one, one, in, they're one and the same. Or they can be related that way. It's like family films for me. This is a sports gateway film to romance movies. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Time for the critics' rating. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average. A is the highest. F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives Fs from all the hosts. It goes to a new category of movie, the movie planet global killer with Solo, a Star Wars story. A category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So the question is, what do you give Bull Durham in the sports genre by today's standards? Steve, you nominated the movie. Do you want to go first or second? I will go second this time. Oh, boy. Okay, so here we go. When Steve nominated this, I was excited. I had actually watched the movie a week earlier, and I was psyched to watch it again. However, I tend to watch these movies twice when it's nominated, once for the critique, once for the enjoyability. So that was three times in three weeks. It's a lot of bull Durham, which prompts me to say that this is not a movie you watch on repeat. 
you watch this every couple of years and remain happy with it. The trio of leads in this are really written well. In order for Annie to grow, she needs the pull of Nuke and Crash. In order for Crash to grow, he needs Annie and Nuke. And in order for Nuke to grow, he needs Annie and Crash. All three have solid character arcs and nearly always have chemistry on the screen. However, this movie is really an examination of a player at the end of his career versus a player at the beginning of his career. You can make an argument that this movie is all about Nuke or Annie, but this movie is in fact Crash's story of trying to battle Father Time with his baseball career. He's on fumes, and before he can finally hang up his cleats, he has a choice to make. Help young Lelouch by trying to pass on his years of experience and wisdom to the next generation or fade away into oblivion with no legacy, which is every great player's fear. Through the film, he battles with the pull to both ends. There are times when Crash would rather earn the home run record but not have anyone know about it. And there are times when he actively seeks out Nuke to help the young buck out and teach him some lessons that, you get the feeling, Crash never learned himself. Annie serves as the Vaseline. She's there to lubricate Crash's life from career ball player to life after baseball. She also serves as the maturing point for Nuke to grow from where he starts just wanting to get with her all the time and putting baseball second to prioritizing his career over his relationship with Annie. This movie has one problem, though, that happens in most sports movies that have an emphasis on comedy. It is a common mistake, unless the movie is a straight-up goofy comedy, and even then, it happens more times than not. The writer uses the goofiness to hook you for the first half of the movie and then jams the drama in while abandoning the humor that you enjoyed so much. It makes the movie seem uneven. Peppering in the drama in the first half with Crash, spending moments alone in the locker room, just sitting contemplatively while all the young players are doing stupid shit would have benefited the pace of the movie because it wouldn't feel like a bunch of humorous vignettes followed with a short dramatic story. So, because I think the pacing is really the only problem with this movie, but also that it relies heavily on the sport to drive the story, it's not only a worthy fit into the Pantheon, it's getting an A- from me. One of the best sports movies in my opinion. Wow. Mic drop. Steve, what do you think? It was okay. <laughs> it was, uh, okay. So, when I think of sports movies, this is definitely one that is always and probably will be I will continue to be one of one of the few on my list of favorites anytime Costner and Robbins have dialogue it's gold I love it I, I mentioned that in my top Costner with anyone else is eh, it's okay and I'll thank you Joe for pointing that out earlier that uh yeah Costner is just he's an okay <laughs> kind of an actor baseball will always be a mysterious game not not just because it's played, but what goes on behind the scenes, the mound visits, the clubhouse demeanor, the road trips, and what players do in their off time. That's whenever I see anything about that, I always just kind of want to know because that's just the mystery. I'm not saying that this movie gives a real depiction of these events, but I bet every fan thinks that this is what they do, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just a bunch of guys having fun. The romance part was okay at first, but I wish the movie was more about the team as a whole. I wanted to know more about the other players. I'm sure the movie is out there. It just isn't this one. After Nuke gets pulled up to the show and crashes with Annie for the first time, I, th I thought the movie should have ended. I mean, Crash didn't have anything left for him to do. He could have ended his career. I thought it would have been okay. 
But I guess Crash deep down wanted to achieve something in his time during baseball and set that all-time home run record. Because as soon as he hit that home run, he he, he was done. He, he, he quit. If this was left unresolved in his career, it just would have been in- incomplete. Something empty left in him. Mm-hmm. Susan Sarandon, the great actress. She really is. Yes. I just hate seeing her on screen. <laughs> <laughs> she did. <laughs> She definitely establishes the MILF concept. Yes. When I nominated this movie, I was super excited to watch it. Any one of my friends I could talk to about this movie, and, it, and, and they'll say it's one of the best as well. The writing is great when Robinson Costner are on the screen. These are, those are some of the best scenes. That's what people remember. Other than that, it kind of falls a little out of the strike zone. I give it a B. Ugh. I, and I wrestled with, is it a B? Is it a B minus? And I didn't want to give it that minus, but I couldn't, to me, give it that plus. And I, I, I knew I wanted to give it a B. And to me, it wasn't a perfect day. Um, I think I, I feel very comfortable giving it that B. Okay. Okay. So you're wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's like uh, your opinion, man. Exactly. Now, revisiting the list of movies in the Pantheon, Hoosiers is still number one with a perfect score, 12 out of 12. A Moneyball is an A- minus with an 11.6 out of 12. And there is Bull Durham at number three with a B-plus average, a 10 out of 12. Yeah, I, I think that's perfect. I, I think that's great so far. So far. Those, those, those are, well, I mean. I just know, as you and I do more of these movies and we do sports movies, Bull Durham is going to end up being Doctor Strange for me, where you just find a way to <laughs> knock its ass out of the Pantheon. <laughs> I don't know because I mean I could probably off the top of my head right now I can only think of one movie that I would put baseball wise above Bull Durham, a league of their own. That's I mean yeah what are the yeah. I'm, I'm major league yeah baseball movie wise probably well I don't know I think I would we already said that these two movies are one and the same yeah but major league ends up being a comedy we did a comedy for that yeah but I mean you got older like the natural feel the dreams. Field of Dreams. Yeah, I guess I put that. I don't know. I, I see. I hate Field of Dreams. I would I, again. That was another one of my dad that he just said, "Steve, you have to watch this. This is such a good baseball movie." I, I guess I'd have to revisit it. He said the same thing about Bull Durham, and now I'm knocking it down. Costner has done four baseball. Movies, oh yeah, or three baseball movies. Three for, for the love of the game, Field of Dreams, and this one. Yeah. Yes, and this is the only one I like of those three. I've never seen. Sorry, JC. <laughs> For the love of the game. And that's the Tigers. Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. never seen it. That's okay. You're not missing anything. Okay. Um, okay. Let's get our critics' hats off. Do you love this movie? Like this movie? You're none of the above. This is a love. I hate watching baseball, but I love watching baseball movies, and I love revisiting this every every year or so. Steve? I used to love this movie. You bastard. Now it's a strong like, because if I just watch the mound scenes, I'm good. I don't need to watch the rest of the movie. That's okay. You know what? That That's all right. <laughs> it's like your opinion, man. Yeah, that's all we got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we'll look at American Sniper for the biopic film Pantheon. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean, and give us a four or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. 
The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Steve, any last words? It feels good to finally be brought up to the show. It feels good. It's the best, best hours of my life. Steve, I am so glad you could make it up here, not just to do the show, but damn it to see you. Oh, heck you have to understand, Steve and I haven't seen each other really for two years. Yep. Outside of the Zoom call we did for Star Wars. So, well done, Steve. Well done. You've made it up here to the show. And now you can go back down to the minors. <laughs> Thanks for listening and happy movie watching. <laughs>